invite you to take your Bibles and open to the book of Acts, the fifth chapter. If you didn't bring one from home, you can use a pew Bible. It's in a rack nearby. And turn to the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 5, and I'll begin reading in the middle of the 21st verse. Now the high priest came and those who were with him and called together the council and all the senate of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison and they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked, but when we opened it, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were much perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And, so, and someone came and told them, The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him in his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. In order to understand the meaning of span three, the building of this worship building and the whole process, indeed, all of span one and span two and span three, you have to see it in connection to the wider Christian movement throughout history and around the world. And I want to give some glimpses this morning into the bigger picture than Bethlehem Baptist Church. I don't think you can understand the meaning of that building and the meaning of this card that I was holding up unless you understand what God has done in the last 2,000 years and what God is doing around the world today. But before I give you those glimpses into the movement of Christianity wider than Bethlehem, let me give you three foundational facts that I get from this text. They're right on the face of it. Uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. I'm going to open the text here to myself because I have, I think, a mistake in my notes. At least my memory served me in the first service. I said something wrong here. Mm. Mm, yes, right, okay. Fact number one comes from verse 30. And it is that God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead. God, the God of our fathers, raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. So the God who created the world, who called Abraham, Isaac, and Israel to be his people, raised Jesus, his son, from the dead. That's fact number one. Fact number two comes from verse 31. God exalted him at his right hand as leader or prince and savior. In other words, he didn't raise Jesus from the dead just to let him die again. He raised him from the dead to install him at his right hand. He put all things in his authority. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And he is leading a movement through history to a climax that is infallible by virtue of an authority that is the third fact. 
which comes also from verse 31. Jesus has authority to give repentance and forgiveness of sins to everybody he chooses in all the nations of the world. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now, I realize it says to Israel and I said to all the nations. The reason I said to all the nations, even though it says to Israel, is because Acts is moving gradually towards the nations. If you read ahead six chapters and get to chapter 11, verse 18, Peter reports how God opened the hearts of the Gentiles. And the church stands in awe that the gospel has spread beyond the banks of Israel out to the nations. And here's what they say. They glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance unto life. You see the same words, granted repentance. And so here are the three facts. Fact number one, God raised Jesus from the dead. Fact number two, he didn't raise him to die. He raised him to reign as king at his right hand, prince forever and ever, upholding the universe by the word of his power. And he gave him authority then to lead a movement called Christianity by giving repentance and forgiveness of sins to people in every tribe and tongue and nation. Those are the three foundational facts. Without that, you can't understand this building. You can't understand finances. You can't understand the world or the universe or history. Those are the most important facts of the world. When I pick up this card on Thursday and Noel and I go out Pizza Hut probably with our new mugs. You can get new mugs there for $1.95 and drink all the pop you want all year long. Incredible. And if you have a card, every fifth personal pan is free, which means you can eat out with your wife for under $4. When I do that on Thursday... And I carry this card into Pizza Hut. I'm going to see everything in Pizza Hut in view of the movement. Christ. It's Christ at Pizza Hut. It's Christ reigning and moving throughout the world. That's what the building is about. That's what the card is about. That's what this thing is about right here. And everything in it and everything in my bank account is about the movement. It's about Christ. And my aim this morning is to show you the movement. To help you see that Bethlehem is very small and therefore we should be humble. And it's part of something very big and therefore we should be hopeful. You see the difference? We are teeny. I tell you, we are teeny weeny when you think of the world. I'm going to show you how teeny we are in just a minute so that we don't get any big head here. But oh, are we part of something big. Absolutely infallible, unstoppable that's going to take over the whole world, fill the world with the glory of the Lord someday. That's what this card is all about. If you don't see that, oh, you'll just think of some, I don't know what you'll think, but I don't want you to think anything but this, the movement. Let me try to show you the uh, movement. Let's start with China. I'm just going to give you snapshots of God's work in the world today. Now, China, almost anybody who is in the know today at all knows what God did in China during the Cultural Revolution. Mao Zedong's reign was intended to wipe out everything but uh, Marxism and socialism, and it didn't work. 
One million believers expanded to about 30 to 50 million believers during all that repression, all that suffering. Now, we know that, but here's something I'll bet you don't know. At least I hadn't heard it until I just read last week an essay written incognito by a young student who's sending out information to a man named Herbert Schlossberg. And he wrote, well, I've got to give you the background first. Tiananmen Square, right? June 3rd and 4, 1989. From 700 to 7,000 kids slaughtered. We don't know exactly. 10,000 arrested, 31 tried and executed. Now, all of the students in China were watching this happen. They were watching what they had given themselves to, what their fathers had given themselves to for 40 years, slaughter their kids, their friends. What effect do you think that had in China? Well, the effect it's having is this. Here's the quote. We have reports of thousands of intellectuals. By the way, those 50, 30 to 50 million people who came to Christ in China were basically peasants. They were basically the common people, the uneducated, uneducated people, just like Jesus said. That's the way it's going to be. Most of the church are going to be those who are the ordinary common folk, 1 Corinthians 1. But now, God is not indifferent to the intelligentsia either. We have reports of thousands of intellectuals turning to Christ. In at least five university cities, no less than 10% of the students have been reported as turning to Christianity. In a way that is even more amazing than the revival during the Cultural Revolution, for the revolution that was led by intellectuals is now being deserted by those who made it. In other words, God isn't done in China. God isn't done anywhere. God is moving because Jesus is alive, he's reigning, and he gives repentance. That's his job. He is building his church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That's the meaning of that building. That's the meaning of this card. Africa. At the turn of the century... 4% of the people in Africa professed faith in Jesus Christ. Today, it is 40%. And there are about 16 to 20,000 people turning to Christ every day throughout the African continent. Soviet Union is another amazing story, real much in the headlines these days. 70 years of communist oppression. And what was the effect? What did they accomplish in 70 years? of atheistic repression. What you find in the USSR today is 36% of the population professing allegiance to Christianity. Five times bigger than the Communist Party after 70 years of effort to turn it around. It can't be done. It can't be done. And then when the wall came down, the spiritual hunger became a world phenomenon so that today the literature is just flowing. The Christian literature is flowing as well as cultic literature into the Eastern Bloc. God is at work. Don't you, when you hear things like that, what I feel is, man, I wish I could say I had been among the praying number so I could take a little bit of credit for that. But, oh, am I going to get praying for Albania I'm going to get praying for Mongolia. I'm going to get praying for North Korea. I'm going to get praying for Cuba. I'm going to get praying for Ethiopia. I'm going to be a part of that crumble. And it's going to crumble. Marxism is bankrupt throughout the world. Everybody who's anybody knows it is spiritually and economically empty. It doesn't work. And as soon as the main leaders like Castro are off the scene, it'll be over. It's over. 
And Christianity, under all that oppression, we're even seeing it and reading it now in the newspapers in Albania, did not die. Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Indonesia. The percent of Christians is so high in this Muslim land that the government won't dare to produce the statistics. I went out to lunch with Doug down here a few days ago, and I won't give statistics because I might get it wrong, Doug, but you told me that you had just gotten back from teaching over there at a Bible school and that the growth of the church was simply phenomenal, so great that they can't handle the teaching of all of the uh, people to train leaders. Here's a, here's a, remarkable, a remarkable quote from... Uh, Concerning Indonesia, more Muslims have become Christians in Indonesia, Bangladesh, Iran and East Africa in the last 10 years than in the last 10 centuries. God has not forgotten the Muslim world, a billion people. He is moving because he reigns. He's alive. He's alive. Mohammed is not alive. Buddha is not alive. Jesus is alive, more alive than you, you and I are, and he gives repentance and forgiveness of sins. Korea, this one amazes me because of, of its relationship to Japan. Korea, at the turn of the century, 90 years ago, had almost no churches. A few scattered, small fellowships. It was called, quote, impossible to penetrate. The mindset, the religion was so different, it seemed. Today, 30% of Koreans espouse Christianity. In Seoul alone, there are 4,000 churches, the biggest uh, Presbyterian church, the biggest Methodist church, the biggest Pentecostal church in the world are in Seoul, Korea. What happened? What happened in 90 years? God happened. That's all you can say. God happened in Korea. A revival happened and he broke open what looked impossible. Now, it hasn't happened in Japan. But instead of saying, why didn't it happen in Japan? They were in the same situation 90 years ago. Why not in Japan? Here's what I say. Not yet in Japan. It will happen in Japan. Just think if God were to choose to grant repentance tomorrow in Tokyo, floods could come into the Rengo churches. That's our denomination. Floods of them. They could just recognize that the materialism that they're living for, working from morning until night, scraping and then dying, isn't life. God could open their minds to that. It could happen just like that. Overnight, something could happen in Japan. And that's what we ought to be praying toward. Latin America, 300,000 evangelicals in 1900. Today, 34 million. By 2080 million, there are more evangelicals in Brazil today than in all of Western Europe and Eastern Europe, not counting the USSR. What happened? God happened. Jesus is alive. He is giving repentance. He revives he awakens. He moves. One final glimpse. Mission agencies. Since 1950, in this country, 350 mission agencies have been born to finish the Great Commission. The amazing thing, however, is that since 1950, outside of the West, among churches of the non-Western world, the same number, about 350 mission agencies has been, have been born. This is the remarkable thing in our day. Larry Pate, who uh, produces a, a newsletter about the uh, 
growth of third world missions. Uh, I read the statistics. He said that right now there are about 40,000 missionaries leaving third world countries going to other cultures, people groups. That number will catch up to the Western missionary force about 1998 probably and then surpass it and be at about 160,000 in the year 2000, given trends as they're now developing. And what's so fantastic about this is that we Westerners, we kind of wring our hands and we wonder, well, how can we get into all those countries and how can we do this if they don't like Americans? And Look, we're not the center of the universe. We're not the center of the church anymore either. We are backwater in Minneapolis. Backwater compared to what God is doing in Indonesia and in Latin America and in many places of the world. It just reminds me, I read this week a quote about Brighton in England where there's going to be this big conference this summer. And uh, that's the place where uh, uh, um, Taylor, Hudson Taylor, went out on the beach at Brighton, sat down and wept because he just couldn't go to any more churches where people celebrated their security, oblivious of the unreached in China. He just couldn't take it anymore. He just couldn't take it. And he sat on the beach and just wept. And God created the China Inland Mission. God's doing that in many of you. Those are the glimpses, brothers and sisters. Bethlehem is small. Small, 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 pinhead small in this movement. But we are part of something magnificent. They never heard of us in Indonesia. They never heard of us in Africa. They never heard of us in the USSR. Nobody knows who we are. And that doesn't matter. It ought to keep us humble. But oh, how we should be hopeful because we're part of it together. And my dream is that that building there and this card and all my investment and your investment mean we're part of a movement. Let's set on this text. They filled Jerusalem with their teaching. Verse 28. They filled Jerusalem with their teaching. You know what I hear behind that? God's going to fill the earth with the glory of the Lord, the way the waters cover the sea. This is step one. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. Filling, 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 filling. I want to fill Minneapolis and St. Paul with our teaching. But I know when I say that it can have a wrong ring. And here's what I mean. I don't mean that Bethlehem has the message that needs to fill. I mean, we're part of the movement that can fill it. There are hundreds of Bible-believing churches in these cities. We are one of a movement. And I just want so much to think more and more and more in terms of Bethlehem is part of a movement. A God-led Christ Risen, reigning over movement. That's the meaning of the building. It stands out there for the viability of the movement in this city. Now, if you ask, as I asked, how did they do this? How did they fill Jerusalem, that big city, with their teaching? Peter gives the answer very, very clearly. He says, in verse 29, Peter and the apostles said, We must obey God rather than men. That's it. They obeyed God. They didn't, they were scared by men. They didn't care that they could be killed right now. They could be killed by these leaders when they said that. They just looked right in the face and said, you killed Jesus. He's alive. He reigns. We'll obey him, not you. 
That's the way they talk. That's how they filled the city. That kind of courage. That kind of daring. Prayer, care, dare, share. How do you get that kind of obedience into your heart? How do you get to be that kind of person? Verse 32, and with this we're done. Verse 32 gives the answer because it links up with verse 29 by this word obedience. Same word in the Greek. It's not un, it's not uh, unintentional. We are witnesses to these things. So is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, the tense of these verbs is utterly crucial. Let me translate it very literally, lest you get things mixed up here. We are witnesses of these things. So is the Holy Spirit who gave, past tense, the Holy Spirit to those who are now obeying him. The point is this. When you see this kind of obedience, you know where it's come from. It's come from the Holy Spirit. That's the point. The Holy Spirit has been given to these men. He's reigning, uh, exploding, empowering, filling them, and they are obedient. They don't care what people say about them. That's how Minneapolis and St. Paul will be filled with our teaching. And what is our teaching? He is risen. He is reigning as leader and savior. And he gives repentance and forgiveness of sins. That's the movement. When you go out with God or with your spouse or both to work on this card this week, my prayer for you is real simple. Father, send the Holy Spirit down and fill them. Because if they're full of the Spirit, to the degree that you are full of the Spirit, you'll be radical in obedience. God will tell you what to do. You'll do it. I don't have to worry. So that's my prayer. May the Holy Spirit fill you as you pray over this card. Let me close with, with a, a dream that one of our women had. She told me as we were walking through the sanctuary on Saturday, uh, she said, I had a dream the other night about this building. And I saw the building and I saw these two big windows that, if you've noticed in the morning, they let light flood in on the, the congregation. She said it wasn't that way. It was from outside and the light was just gushing out of those two windows, filling the sky and filling the city from the people inside. So would you keep that in your mind? That's it. That's it. Fill the city with the salt. Fill the city with the light. By being obedient, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I just pray earnestly that we would keep our perspectives right. We're just a little, little niche in the kingdom. And I'm so glad to be one. I'm so glad we're in. And I'm so glad it's big. I'm so glad you reign. I praise you and we praise you as a church. We don't want to exalt ourselves. We want to exalt Christ. We want to exalt the movement. So, Lord, be pleased, I pray, to humble us. Be pleased to turn that new building into a place of light and power for the spreading of praise to all nations. And it may be that some of you are saying right now, well, I'd like to give or I'd like to love or I'd like to serve or I'd like to obey, but. And that but is an obstacle you need prayer about. We have some teams that are going to be standing here on either side of the sanctuary 
there'll be a few minutes between services. You could just come up to them and say, here's, here's a blockage in my life. Would you, would you pray about this with me? And now unto the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the God only wise, be dominion and power and glory forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen.